So my name's Jonathan Lancaster. Everybody calls me Jono. But no, I was born with a genetic condition called Treacher Collins. Born without any cheekbones, so that's why my eyes appear the way they do. So when I was born, total shock that I would appear different. My birth parents felt it was best that we went our separate ways. I remained in the hospital when whilst they went home. You know, I didn't realise I was different. I didn't realise my appearance would impact me the way it has done over the years in various ways. I was just happy. I was just a happy kid. And then the following years, I was like, why? When we become obsessed with the why, it blocks out so many good stuff that's around us and we're just not taking it in. Somewhere along the lines, I stopped asking why and that was, that was huge. Those people brought me into this world and they were the start and now it's down to me to take that life that they gave me and fill it with love and adventure and I do and the more I do that, the more I attract. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or your computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating a podcast today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify, and when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I love engaging with my audience with the Q&A and the polls. And I also love the fact that I can upload my video podcast on Spotify because I know my audience love watching it sometimes when they're travelling on their commute. I highly recommend you give it a try and you can download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com forward slash podcasters to get started. Hey everyone and welcome back to Millennial Mind. This is my first episode in this new studio and I have one really quick favour to ask from all of you. If you haven't already, wherever you're watching or listening to this podcast, if you could press the follow and subscribe button, it would really mean the world to me. Thank you so much for supporting me on this journey here. Let's get into it because I cannot wait for you to see my new studio and my incredible guest today. Jono. Hi, how are we doing? Welcome to Millennial Mind. I am so, so grateful to have you here and you're the first guest in my new studio, so no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure at all. But the studio's beautiful. Thank um, you. So yeah, well done. well done. I'm really, really happy to be recording with you here today because I've been really inspired by your story ever since, you know, Rona connected us and I've watched you everywhere, really. Where, where have you not been? <laughs> but for people who don't know who you are, tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, so my name's Jonathan Lancaster. Everybody calls me Jono. Yeah. <laughs> um, my mum still calls me Jonathan, especially when I'm in trouble. Um, but no, I was born with um, a genetic condition called Treacher Collins, mm -hmm. and that's affected my appearance. Mm -hmm. I'm born without any cheekbones, so that's why my eyes appear the way they do. Mm -hmm. um, I've got my Lailbat Simpson ears. Mm -hmm. uh, that 
means that I'm not very good at hearing, so I wear a hearing aid. Yeah. Um, and that's how Treacher Collins has affected myself. Yeah. Um, in other cases, um, you know, people need help with their breathing, so they'll have a tracheostomy. Um, some need help with uh, feeding, so they'll have feeding tubes. Um, so, yeah, Treacher Collins affects people in a lot of variety of ways. Um, so, yeah, that, that that was my start to this world, and life has been pretty crazy since. The start to this world was a, a story that I found really heartbreaking um, and one that I can't really understand, but one that I'm so inspired by you, that you have so much love and forgiveness in your heart. Can you share that with everyone? So there was no family history of Treacher Collins. Mm-hmm. I was a sporadic mutation. So when I was born, um, it was a total shock that I would have appear different and my birth parents felt it was best that we went our separate ways mm-hmm. and um, I remained in the hospital when whilst they went home and social services then had the task of trying to navigate through that you know supporting my birth parents but also supporting myself um, I was placed into foster care mm-hmm. and fostered by an incredible lady called Jean and she raised me for the first years for first five years of my life and she I naturally celebrated who I was yeah and I kind of hadn't processed kind of the magnitude of what happened with my birth parents or anything like that I was just like, Jean, this lady, she's my mum, and I just think that's ace. And I celebrated my differences. I loved the fact that I wore a hearing aid. You know, the house was full of other foster children, so whenever things got crazy, I could turn my hearing aid (laughs) off and be in my own little world. Yeah. Um, But then as I started getting older, um, things did start to change. You know, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of confusion of... I started asking why. Yeah. Why did I look like this? Um, where are my birth parents? So, you know, as I got older, those feelings did start to change. At what age did Jean foster you? And so Jean, she's always told me she met me at two weeks old. Aww. And every conversation that she had with the social services, there's like, Jean, you need to be prepared for the way he looks because he looks mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jean's not even five foot. So everything goes over her head naturally. But when you're talking about a child's appearance, Jean just didn't get that. She, was, she just loved babies. And she was just excited to meet me. She was like, yeah, I want to, of course I want to meet him. Yeah. And then she always told me when she first went to the hospital and she first met me, she saw me and she couldn't help but smile. When she first held me, she just felt this instant connection, this instant bond and was like, yeah, when can I take him home? Um, so she was allowed to take me home a few days later and, um, yeah, just gave me such a beautiful second chance of having a family, having a home, mm-hmm. and eventually that turned into my forever family and my forever home. It's very difficult. Every time I've heard your story so many times, I've spoken to you for so long, and every time you're telling me I just have this feeling in my chest that I want to burst into tears but I'm going to try and uh, control myself I think 
from what you've told me about Jean, even from our conversation today, she just sounds like the most incredible human being. And, and spending time with you today, I can see that she's really raised you as like a reflection of her. But what was your earliest memory as a child? My earliest memory of a child? I am... Um... I was, my mum spoiled me rotten. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, I always used to go down to London, um, which meant time away from school, time away from my friends, mm -hmm. um, having hearing tests, speech therapy, the odd surgery. Mm -hmm. And mum always made London an adventure. Even when I was a little kid, we would go to some, you know, crazy amazing museum uh, we would always get pizza we would uh, she always spoiled me with the latest football shirt or the latest toy um so earliest memories of is me and mum just going on these adventures and and life was was pretty sweet mm -hmm. you know I didn't realize I was different I didn't realize that my appearance would impact me the way it has done over the years in various ways. I was just happy. I was just a happy kid, um, little sparrow-legged. Yeah. That my head just seemed way bigger than my body could carry, yeah. bobbling all over the place. And, yeah, just happy. At what stage did you kind of see those changes? Where you said, you know, earlier you said you started to question things and say you know why why am I perhaps different or why do I have these things at what age did those questions kind of come into play so I've always known that I was adopted so I was really? yeah so my mum fostered me until I was five okay and um it was we need like that permanent to go their separate ways from my birth family um so on the 18th of May 1990 I was officially adopted and we had a party and we yeah. celebrated, which meant more toys. And you remember that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Five. Um, well, my friends came over. I have vague little memories of this party, toys, and this day being about myself. It was in the local newspaper, in the little cuttings, adoption day. There were like loads of marriages, loads of birthdays, you know, back <laughs> in when newspapers were a thing. And then adoption day and friends and family had wrote into the newspaper. No way. I've still got that newspaper clipping, yeah. Um... And it was just like, oh, this is ace. You know, like, my mum chose me. You know, <laughs> all kids in hospital, my mum chose me. That is, like, amazing. It is. Like, you were stuck. your mum and dad were stuck with you. They were. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mom. think they would choose me if they had the chance. <laughs> and I just thought, oh, my God, this is just the coolest thing. And, and my mum, we always spoke about it. It was just a conversation that was just on the table, always available to me to approach okay and then the following years I was like why why am I adopted why don't I have a dad why are you on your own why are you so much older than all the other parents of my friends and stuff like that so I started being curious of all these differences that I was picking up you know like my mates would go soccer training football training and they all had the dads there and I'd be like Mum and they'd be like, "Oh, what, what's your grand bringing you for?" I was like, "That's my mum," and they were like, oh, "Oh, okay." And so I said, "That's why, why?" And then I'm like, "But my birth parents—they were married, and you said they couldn't cope. But you can cope, and you're 
you're old and you're a single parent <laughs> and stuff. And she was just like, oh, and she always used language that I would understand. And then as I get into my teenage years, I really started to challenge that. And the whys became more, is it because of my appearance? Is it because of um, me needing to go to, to London all the time? Is it because of the way I look? And, you know, mum, again, she was always honest. Every time I challenged her, she always stood in front of me and she always answered. And, you know, like, they found it difficult and they thought it was best that, you know, you go your separate ways and look, and we've got each other. Yeah. And, I, and I always took hope from that. You know, even in my darkest days, I always took hope that I had my own little superhero, um, a little lady called Jean. So, yeah, she is a superhero. She is. I'm going to cry. I just need to take one second. Okay. Can I ask, actually, what's the difference between fostering and adopting? So when my mum started fostering me, that, I guess it's temporary. Okay. Um, Did you live with her every day? Or? Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So while my future was being sorted out, um, I may go back to my birth parents, I may not. Who knows? So I'm placed in foster care. We don't know which way this is going to play out. Some people are in foster care because of their birth parents are going through short-term difficulties, mm -hmm. whatever reason they may be. Um, so you might have contact once a month or yeah. something like that. Um, so, Did you have any contact with your birth parents? No contact with my birth parents. My birth parents requested a clean break, um, no contact. Um, and yeah, by the time I was four, mm -hmm. um, okay, he's been placed for adoption. So mm -hmm. adoption means that somebody's going to be your permanent guardian. Okay. Um, and Jean was like, he's mine. <laughs> and I was like, mommy, I, I called my mom, mommy Jean. And yeah. you know, it was just the obvious thing. And she, we just loved each other. I was that, that's my mom. That's my family. Uh, but social services do have a job to do to make sure that my future is going to be safe. And they questioned my mum, you know, you're a single parent, you live in a council house, mm -hmm. um, you don't have X amount of money, yes. um, can you do this? Um, and she was like, yes. Um, and that went on for a year. Um, and yeah, eventually I was adopted on the 18th of May. You really hear stories about certain people and you just think, how are they so fundamentally unbelievable as a person i sometimes hear stories like that and i just think they're like how are they real you know in this world where now i think there's so much craziness it's so amazing to hear of people like jean who are just so incredibly selfless and have so much love to give and make this world a better place but you know often i've had this conversation with people who have adopted is it was there a point where you wanted to get in contact with your birth parents where you, like you said, you were questioning Jean a lot? Was there a point where you kind of butted heads a little bit? It's natural as any teenager, by the way. I think I, I've butted heads with my parents many times. I still do. But, you know, that kind of turning point around, I want to contact my birth parents now. Was there any of that at a young age? When, when it came to me and my mum, there was no... I, I didn't know anything about my birth parents. Um, so I had kind of created like backstories for them and they became characters in my head. Right. Blonde hair, blue eyes. 
Uh, my, got, my dad was a guitarist and my mum sang. These, these characters were in my head and they sang about love. Um, and then through my teenage years, I became very angry. Um, you know, all of a sudden, it's a popularity contest. Uh, everybody wants to kind of be fitting. Everybody wants to be cool. Everybody wants to be accepted. And I start, that's when I really started to struggle with my appearance. And, and then all of a sudden, I had these thoughts of, your birth parents are supposed to love you no matter what. Mm-hmm. And mine couldn't love me. I, I really struggled with that. And then all of a sudden, I'm going, despite having my mum and despite having friends, I was like, who's ever going to find me attractive? Who's ever going to want to give me a job? Who's, I look like this and my future ain't looking great when I look like this. So I became very angry. And a lot of that pain and a lot of that anger was split between my birth parents and my face. And some days I hated my face more. And sometimes I hated my birth parents more. Mm. And... My my world just became very dark, and I I stopped celebrating all my difference, and I became ashamed of those differences. Um, what was that turning point for you? Because you said growing up, you you loved your differences. So when when did that kind of suddenly change? Was it school? High high school, high school, secondary school, high school. Okay, that's when it became a lot more difficult. So. There were odd bullying moments, but I was popular at school. I played football. I was in all the top sets. Um, oh, wow. I I was a bright lad. My friends would say I'm not the sharpest in, tool in the box, but I was a bright lad. Yeah. I was a good kid. But I just, I became obsessed with the whys. Why did my, why was my birth parents, why do I have to look like this? And and I wasn't ever getting any answers to those two questions. And then, you know, halfway through high school, my friends would be getting into relationships, would start drinking alcohol. Mm-hmm. And then appearance, it felt like appearance mattered. And me appearing like this, that didn't work for me. I would look at my face every day, just in the mirror in my bedroom, and I would just hold my eyes up like that, just staring at my face, just praying and hoping that some sort of muscle memory would kick in, that I would be able to somehow change my appearance. Because if I change my appearance, that would change my future and I would be happy and people would find me attractive. And, and it, a lot of it was created by myself by just asking questions that I weren't getting the answers to and just bottling up a lot of pain and a lot of anger. It, it was it was tough. And during this process, I wanted to hurt my birth parents. Yeah. I wanted to hurt them as much as I was hurting. And there were never a desire to to meet them. There was just this, there was just this anger. Yeah. And it also became a motivation, a motivating tool. Like if I would be playing football or if I'd be on sports day or running and racing, mm. I'd be like, go on, show your birth parents what you can do. Yeah. But it came from such a negative place and it were exhausting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I really needed to try and get out of that. And I, and I didn't know how to get out of that mindset. The only answer I had was just stop looking at yourself in the mirror. Um, so I did. I stopped looking at my reflection and um, I would walk around looking at the floor 
Um, I struggled to make eye contact. Um, yeah, I became very, very closed. As you're speaking, I think your teenage years for anyone is a really, really difficult time. And I can't imagine what you went through with people bullying you or, or making comments and, and having that thought process within yourself because, like you said, you didn't really have the answers, right? And you wanted to, to find them out, but, but who are you going to, to kind of ask? You said that you didn't know how to get yourself out of that mindset. And looking at you now, you've absolutely managed to do that. So what was that, what was that process like? How did, you, how did you get yourself out of that mindset? Because I know that there's people watching and listening to this right now who are perhaps going through something similar where they really just hate something about themselves or they hate their appearance or they hate anything really and they're just thinking I'm never going to think in my, about myself in a positive way oh that's such a tough there's no right or there's no short answer to that no you know I there's times when I feel so blessed because I feel like I've just completely winged life <laughs> and somehow found self-love and acceptance that has just been so empowering and and it starts off I've stopped asking the whys that was wasn't a conscious thing to do mm -hmm. um but somewhere along recent years I stopped asking why and I a few years ago, um, I wrote a sky lantern, wrote on a sky lantern, why me? And I lit it mm -hmm. and I watched it filled with air and it drifted off into the, the night sky. And it was a visual representation representation for me to see the whys have gone, the why me's have, have, have left. And then that was huge for me. Mm. Um then we go back to the self-love and the kindness. If I had done this interview with you a few years ago, yeah, I would have spoken about my birth parents in, in quite a, a negative, potentially in a negative yeah. way or used more negative language. Yes. But when the language that I use, especially when I'm talking about myself and my past, it's now spoken with so much love and kindness and that helps me with this, with this self-love. Mm. And... I used to try and think what my birth parents felt, but the only thing I knew about my birth parents today and now is that those two people gave me life. Those people brought me into this world and they were the start and now it's down to me to take that life that they gave me and fill it with love and adventure. And I do, and the more I do that, the more I attract opportunity and loving it's 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 been, it's been huge your mindset been huge. and your humility it's just i don't really have any words to describe it it's so empowering and it's so unique and actually that thing you just spoke about asking why i'm the kind of person that needs to understand a decision yeah, in order to process it i think all of us do yeah, yeah, to be yeah. completely honest but there are some people who are like okay that's what's happened that's the end of it. There's nothing to think about. I'm like, why did that person do that? What were they thinking? Let me psychoanalyze everything yeah, yeah, in between, yeah. right? And I've actually learned 
that you're never going to know the true reason. And being consumed in the why, why did somebody say that? Why did they intend to do that? Why would they think like that? Why did they want to hurt me? Why did whatever? Asking why is actually just wasting time on trying to think about a hypothetical situation. All you're doing is thinking about hypothetical scenarios which you're never going to get an answer to. And I've learned that as well because I'm, I'm genuinely someone that's like, but I need to know the reason. And one of my friends was like, you actually don't. You just need to accept it. And it's a very harsh way of looking at a problem, but it's absolutely true. And now I'm like, okay, I accept that this has happened. I think this is why it perhaps would have happened, but I'm not going to go into the detail with that person and say, why did you do this? And why did you do that? And why, 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 why? Because at the end of the day, that person is where they are. And I can think of a million reasons as to why I think it happened. It's just an assumption. It's just a hypothetical situation in my head. So it's really interesting that you said you let that land in and you put why on it and you just let it go and let it burn. Because I sometimes think, you know, it is a bit problematic to always ask why. Well, as a, as a teenager, I was obsessed with that why. Yes. Yeah, and no other information was going in. Mm. The teacher were trying to educate me. Yeah. That wasn't going in because I was obsessed with the why. A friend would be wanting to hang out or play or make me laugh. Again, that's not going in because I'm obsessed with the why. My mom's trying to guide me, give me some support, give me some love. Again, I'm not taking that because I'm obsessed with the why. When we become obsessed with the why, it blocks out so many good stuff that's around us and we're just not taking it in as well as we need to be. And um, that somewhere along the lines, I stopped asking why and that was that was huge. That was huge. One of the things that I loved in one of the interviews was when you talked about your girlfriend when you were really young. Mm-hmm. And that story resonated with me for so many reasons. But can you share that story? So I'd gone through this journey through my teenagers and teenage years of this, this hate. And I just kind of reached this point of nobody's going to find me attractive. I'd, had, I'd have girls like, ask me out as a dare or as a joke. Um at parties nobody was interested in me mm-hmm. and then by the time I'd reached 20 20 years old going on to 21 um I I met this girl who I I just thought she was the coolest the way she moved um her passions her interests the way she was I was like oh she's yeah I fancied the pants off her but I just had this attitude she wouldn't be interested in me um so you know just don't even try that mm-hmm. i i had that attitude about relationships just why why even bother um but we ended up dating and i'm missing loads of personal bits out because mm-hmm. i don't when it comes to st- storytelling now um i kind of want to respect that privacy yeah but also highlight that this person changed my life forever by just a few words and we all have that power inside us right now to change somebody's life forever and whilst we were dating we had this moment and she just casually came out I just love your face and I went from questioning why she was with me for feeling unattractive to thinking I was the sexiest guy in the world just with those few words and I was just so powerful for me to hear 
mm-hmm. you know, somebody who I admired, somebody who I connected with, was just so it was just a, such a casual thing. She was just like, oh, "I just love your face," but it, 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 that was massive for me. I love that. It's such a powerful story because when we were talking offline, I was telling you that with my boyfriend at the moment, when we met for our first date, I think I was in such a place where I'd come out of a relationship a few months prior. And I was just struggling with so much self-doubt. And I didn't really have a lot of self-esteem. And I remember thinking, is he doing this as a joke? Like, is this a prank? And then I also remember feeling afterwards quite shocked that someone would want to meet me because they heard me on a podcast. So how we met is he heard me on a podcast and was like, I think what you're doing is great. But when we met, I thought he wanted to be on the podcast. So I, I had to ask him like midway through the date, wait, hold on, are you single? Is this a date? Because I was just so unclear. And I, I look back now and he laughs all the time. And he was like, how did you not know? And I think it's because it was the first time that someone had really acknowledged that I was really strong and I was really opinionated. And my whole life, actually, and, and when I started the podcast, people said, don't be so opinionated. Don't talk about this stuff. Don't share this because no guy's going to want to be with you. And no one's going to want to marry you if you do this, 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 and this. And it's so funny that others' opinions have the power to change us so much in a positive way and in a negative way. And, and I think that, and I always say this about my, my boyfriend, is that he's made me so confident in ways that I never knew just by saying so many small things. Like, that was really great the way you presented yourself or I really like that way you articulated that argument or good for you for standing up about that because I never had someone as a man and as like an authoritative figure I guess or someone that I was inspired by tell me that and so it really does I really think that finding a person in your life you don't have to be with them forever but finding someone in your life who believes in you whether that's a boy a girl a friend a cousin a family member you know relationship it can really impact you and I put a quote up the other day and it was like if you see something you like about someone say it to them. It's totally free. It costs you nothing. It takes like one second of your time, but it can literally change their life. And like you've just said, that comment that that girl said to you was was so casual to her, but it's left a lasting impact on you. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of things there. We both spoke about dating. Yeah. Both had different backgrounds, different mm-hmm. experiences. And when we start dating, we do doubt ourselves. 100%. And, we, and just dating sucks. Yeah, <laughs> That's, it's hard. So when we are, anybody who's watching this and they're dating and are going through relationships and stuff like that, it, it, it's hard for every single one of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was struggling with, with dating or when I first went into dating, I felt like, oh, I am the only one. Nobody finds me attractive. And, and I was like, oh, again, it's only me, but... Yeah, that's just facts. Dating it's sucks. universal. <laughs> yes. There's always that self-doubt. And I don't know if you've read this book called Modern Romance by Aziz Ansari. No. It's one of my favorite books. Right. And basically what he says is like our generation, it's like even scarier to date now because WhatsApp scene, Instagram scene, yeah. those three little dots give you so much anxiety. No matter what you look like, no matter what you're wearing, no matter what body you have, if you see those three little dots and you're dating and you're in conversation with someone... And you could get ghosted. Like, yeah. there's so much anxiety and worry about it. But it's it's just interesting. We all have very similar experiences, yeah. don't we? Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that you touched on about the words being mm. powerful, positive or negative. Mm-hmm. When we shoot for the stars, you know, when you go 
pursue a dream, like yeah. be a job interview. If we're talking about dating, you might go and ask that boy out, you might go and ask that girl out. We look for, we have these little moments where we go back throughout our life and we like try and take little positives or little words of wisdom and that I love your face. That's like, oh, I can go for that job. Yes. Or I can pro- I can propose to my partner. Yeah. Or I can ask that girl out on a date. I can make that job, step up the job career. But also, if somebody says something negative to mm-hmm. you, subconsciously, we can when we're trying to build ourselves up to face the fear or ask that person out, it's like, oh, do you remember that time when they said that you were ugly? Or yes. and then it's like, oh, no, nah, I won't. I won't ask that person out. I won't go for that job. I'm not going to be a good dad to my child who was about to be born you know it's words do have an impact on people massively yeah I think I think words for for some people as well when you go back to the love languages some words for some people words of affirmation is like the biggest love language and for for a lot of people words are so important but you know you talk to me about going through a period in your life where you just stopped looking at yourself in the mirror when when did that change um, oh, I see, yeah. Uh, even walking down the street, I would avoid windows, um, passing cars, just anything with my reflection. I was just, if I did get, catch a glimpse of my face, it was like a reality check, like, ugh, I look like this. That just sucks. And then after this interaction with with the girl, you know, we ended and we went our separate ways, but her words, like subconsciously, were in were, were now a part of me, um, and I found myself working in a gym, amazing. And I'd given up on. I wanted to be a physio. I wanted to be a PE teacher. I'd given up on so many dreams because I didn't believe in myself. I didn't have the have the confidence to go to university. I didn't have the confidence to hand my CV in. Um, but with this interaction with this person the confidence was on the up a little bit found myself working in a gym and typical gym surrounded by mirrors everywhere you go in the gym Mm -hmm. in the studio in front of the weights mirrors everywhere so all of a sudden I'm trying to navigate work by avoiding all these mirrors it was just ridiculous um but I was managing it I I throughout life I developed so many unhealthy coping strategies just mm. to get by. Um, I became obsessed with sunbeds. Um, I became obsessed with food. I would only eat uh, Weetabix, vegetables or chicken. I used to run in the sauna to dehydrate myself. Um, I discovered a comfort in alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, I, If anybody found me attractive whether they were a good person or a bad person or if they were intoxicated, you know, like on nights out, that were like, oh, I need that, I need I need that attraction. I found so many unhealthy coping strategies to try and navigate this hate towards my face. It was it was bad and mm. my body was a mess. But I was like, oh, I've got abs, I've got a tan. Like, mm. I, I was just a mess. I started getting some really bad tattoos when I was 15, 16, just anything just to say this is just trying to improve this package but anyway 20 21 years old i'm working in a gym and i don't know when you go to the gym people can use the weights but they can't put them back 
Yes. It's like physically impossible for some reason. I'm like one of those people. Oh, man. Come no, on. I'm joking. <laughs> Not. <laughs> but, yeah. So if you don't put the weights away. Yeah. 21-year-old general with his sparrow legs has got to put them away. At least I'm helping you with your calves and quads. That's very, very, very true. Win-win. Uh, so thank you, <laughs> I guess. Um, so anyway, I'm putting the weights away in front of this mirror that's floor to ceiling. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with trainers. So I just bought some new trainers and I'm admiring my trainers in the mirror. And I've got my little short shorts on and I'm admiring my little legs um look at my butt and I was like oh I got a cute butt and I just trained chest and even though I'm wearing like an extra small shirt (laughs) I'm like puffing my chest out and I'm on this roll of trainers legs butt chest working up and I'm liking what I see and normally I stop at my shoulders when I was in my 20s didn't want to see this but I'm on that roll that day and I accidentally look at my face and I found myself staring at my face And I didn't have the urge to push my eyes up. I just carried on looking at it. And I saw that I had blue eyes. And it's daft as it sounds, I'd not seen my blue eyes in such a long time. And I was like, oh my God, I've got blue eyes. And I smiled. And then as I smiled, I realised I had one dimple at the side of my smile. And I was like, oh my God, how cool is that? And I was just stood in front of this mirror, just smiling, like grinning like a Cheshire cat. And, oh, that was a game changer. I don't know what happened. I'd love to say that I did X, Y, Z and give a clear blueprint of what I did. Mm-hmm. But here I am, 21 years old, just staring at myself and thinking, wow. Um, oh, that was huge. And ever since then, that self-love has grown and... You know, I start looking at myself and finding other things that I love about myself internally, externally, because we are so into a routine of, oh, we're just so gushed straight to the negative. Yeah. Straight to the negative. Being so unkind to ourselves and we need to flip that switch and find find the self-loves and, um, yeah, that's huge for me. I love that. I think I can just imagine you just suddenly smiling because... There's been times actually where I've um, I felt very very conscious about my appearance, and I remember when I used to model, I used to think I'm the ugliest one here, and I'm not getting this job because I'm ugly, and I'm not going to get this because of this, and I think that a lot of the time we are the blocker to our own opportunities, and it's so funny now you know so many people are like Shivani, I asked this question because. You are Stephen Bartlett in your podcast, and so you inspired me to ask a question. And I'm like, I'm so happy that you think that I'm the person. I'm so happy, number one, that you asked the question. But also, please don't think that I'm always brave, and I'm always confident, and I'm always ready to ask the question. There's been countless times I've written a message and be like, oh, I can't send that. Too embarrassing. Um, I can't ask that person. They're absolutely not going to be on my podcast. And now I just allow myself to have that feeling and give myself grace and think, you're not always going to be confident. Try tomorrow. Try tomorrow when you're a bit more confident. And I think that we all go through our own journeys with confidence, with self-doubt, with imposter syndrome, with self-love. And for me, it's just a continuous thing. And, you know, like you said, other people can really impact you and words really matter. In the last few years, one thing that has really, really helped me is affirmations. You know, I write affirmations every single day and I really, truly believe 
that they've helped me so much because I'm rewiring my thoughts. You know, I genuinely believe I'm so lucky. You know, like you said today, I'm so lucky. And that's an affirmation I write every day. Like, I'm so lucky and good things always happen to me. And so even when the smallest of things happen, I'm like, I'm just so lucky. Like, of course that would happen for me. I'm just so lucky. And I think that we shouldn't have to rely on what other people tell us for us to feel validated and for us to feel that self-love and self-confidence. And that takes time, right? It's only when other people say things that impact you that you're like, oh, what if I said this to myself every day? Then that could probably impact me. A random person coming up to you and being like, Shivani, I like your dress. It's going to feel nicer than me looking in the mirror and saying, I like your dress. But me saying it in the mirror for 30 days to myself every single day, is probably going to help me more than I think. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? 100%. Um, years and years ago, Valentine's Day was coming up. Mm-hmm. And um, I was writing this, what I love and admire about the person that I was dating. Mm-hmm. And I was writing it and I was like, imagining what they were going to look like, you know, the smile on their face when I was giving them this thing. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited. Yeah. But then I just had a, a moment. I was like, oh, why don't I do one of these for myself? So I, I wrote down what I loved and admired about myself. And and I, I posted it online. And I'm like, happy Valentine's to myself. This is what I loved and admired about myself. And now I encourage everybody to do it on Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. I hated Valentine's when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I never got a card. I Everybody else rolled in. I hated it. I really hated it. Um, whereas now I love it. I was like, oh, my God, I get to do my yeah. Valentine's list. Uh, but that's like your affirmations, you know, writing down. Um, a couple of years ago, I wrote I wrote down and posted it on social media something that I loved about myself I love every that. single day, and and then it's even morphed into something else. I'm now working with my inner child, mm. and that has been the past year. I call him Little Jay. Has been absolutely groundbreaking because um, I have to visualize him. And he has to be with me and I have to talk to him. I have to love him. I have to listen to him. And to help me do it, I've got one of my old teddies and I put him one of my old rugby shirts on. Um, he's got a big blue eye. He's a pirate. <laughs> but he's got one big blue eye and he's a little Jay. And we went on a road trip and I'd just gone through a breakup. Okay. And I was like, oh, we've been rejected. And I still have this thing with rejection and abandonment and um i i was still still really struggling with that mm-hmm. um so I sat there little jay were next to me on passenger seat and i was like it's happened again why have we been rejected like we're such a cool kid like why and um and then i had this light bulb moment i was like but we attract we attract so many beautiful moments mm-hmm. so many incredible random adventures we attract so many friendships we attract so many people we attract yeah by being our authentic self and the more over these recent years i found that celebration of myself again and the more i celebrate myself my uniqueness my own little quirks my own unique stamp that i have that is out there in the world the more i attract and that affirmation to your younger self oh my god that's that's been huge for me I love that so much because I genuinely believe the reason why we're all so different is to be different and I think in this world where everyone wants big lips everyone wants a big bum everyone wants Botox everyone wants filler (laughs) it's like I'm look 
I think I would never get it done. But I think if someone is deeply insecure about something and they are getting it done for themselves, not for society, not because someone's told them, not because they've seen an Instagram model that they want to look like, because they are really uncomfortable with it and that's really going to help their confidence, then fine. But I personally think, for me, there's loads of things, if you ask me tomorrow, would I change about my face? Absolutely, 100%. But what's the point in looking like everyone else? The reason why I was put on this earth is because I'm different. And there's different things about my personality that people will like. And there's things about my personality that people won't like. And talking about that kind of list you were saying, I, I did this video ages ago, so similar to what you're saying. Um, when I said, when I'm having a bad day, I make two lists. One is writing a list of all the things I love about myself or all the things I'm good at. And then the other one is I'm so lucky because, and it's it's kind of a little bit different from gratitude, but really similar, but it's like, I'm just so lucky because I have so many amazing friends who really are close with me because I am, and I write this list. And on the day when I'm having a bad day, I never want to do it, but I force myself to do that. And that's the reason I put those three questions in the planner. What are you proud about every single day? There's something every single day that you can look at and be like, I'm really proud about that. There's something every day that you'll be like, I enjoyed that or I did that well. And that just as just as equal, there's something every day that you think, mm, that could probably be better tomorrow. And reflection has been the biggest game changer for me because not only has it made me more self-aware, but it's really cemented my strengths and it's really made me so much more confident because I know who I am now. And that that's so true. And those things don't need to be the massive things. You know, they like, don't. Like, oh, I've got that job promotion. Oh, I yeah. got this holiday. Oh, um, it can be the day-to-day, -day, oh, my God, I found this new coffee place that does the best coffee. Exactly. You know, it can be the smaller things. But back to your points on treatments. Mm -hmm. Throughout my entire life, I had surgeons talking about improving my face, okay. building my cheekbones up, uh, giving me prosthetic ears. And as as a kid, I was like, Mommy, if I get these surgeries, you won't even know who I am. So like, no, I'm not going to get it. And then my mum would be like, but when you're older, when you go into a pub, they may make fun of you. And I'm like, no, I'm cool. They're not going to make fun of me. I just didn't get it. Yeah. We had these exact same conversations about improving my face when I was a teenager. Right. And I was like, I don't want my face improving. I hate this face. I want to look like everybody else. I want your face. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I can't have your face, no, I don't want this improving. So I said no for a different reason. And then now, whenever we talk about treatments or plastic surgery or even the smaller stuff like Botox and fillers and stuff like that, it's okay to go down that route. Yeah. But you need to make sure, like you said, that you are doing it for you. Yes. But whilst you're doing treatments or you're exploring treatments, you need to be working on that self-love and you need to be working on the emotional side of things because if you neglect what's in here or in here, you're always going to be looking for the next treatment. So true. And the one after that and the one after that and the one after that. So treatment will work for people, but you need to do this stuff in here. I completely agree. I think that a lot of the time we think, okay, I'll just have that and that will solve my problem and then I'll be happy. 
And I think about that with each milestone of my life. When I was younger, I used to think, okay, if, if I achieve this, then I'll be happy. When I was in my job, I remember I used to think, if, if I got to do the podcast every day, I don't care about anything else. If I got to do it every day and I, I was sustained, I'd be happy. And now I'm like, okay, now I get to do the podcast every day. Now I want to do this and this and this every single day. The goalpost will always change. And it's the same with beauty. Beauty standards are changing all the time. And it's very natural to want to blend in. It's very natural to want to feel accepted. It's, it's innate within us. But actually, the beauty is in the authenticity. The beauty is in that your face is different from anyone else's face in the world. Why would you want to make it similar to someone else's, right? And I think you're so right. We need to do that work in tandem. And that was one of the most amazing things I I thought that you told me earlier off, off the camera was about the clinic you run. So can you tell everyone a little bit more about that? Um, so the clinic is... It's a new TV series that I'm working on um, in a make-believe clinic, in our temporary clinic in Yorkshire. And we invite people, it's called Love My Face, mm -hmm. working title. Um, I love that title. I love that title. It's something that I say quite often. I love my face. And I truly do. Um, but we invite individuals to the clinic and they all have a visible difference. And... I sit down with them and I spend time with them and I talk to them and really try and find out why are they here. And they're all looking at potentially getting treatment. Right. And then during those conversations, I'll start picking up and like, okay, can we try and do a self-love list? Can we do a gratitude list? Can we do whatever they're... They'll all get, home. <laughs> they'll all get homework from me to do some emotional work. Mm -hmm. And then now when they... Well, I'll introduce them to a health professional, a um, dermatologist, um, a surgeon, somebody who who can support them, go through yeah. the treatment. But when they're having those conversations, we hope it then comes from a healthier place. Yeah. And um, whilst I've been doing this process with them, some have decided to do treatment, some haven't, but they've all chosen to do some sort of emotional work. I love and, that. And, and that's huge. That's huge. I think that's a really interesting take on it, actually, and something that maybe clinics should adopt. Because I was think I was talking to someone on a previous podcast in Mumbai, and she gave me a really different perspective. She said, you know, if you're deeply, deeply, deeply insecure about something, it's okay to get it done because you really, really feel uncomfortable. And if that's going to add, like, a level of confidence every single day. So, for example, you know, if your lips are really, really thin and you want them to be a little bit bigger... And that's going to change the way you feel about yourself every single day. And that's for you, that you genuinely feel that. Not because Kylie Jenner has done it, not because the newest Kardashian has done it, but because you feel that way. Then I was like, do you know what? Fair enough, I understand. And, and I said, look, it is kind of like makeup, you know. I feel conscious about not wearing makeup and I wouldn't be able to do a podcast with wearing zero makeup. It doesn't mean when I wake up in the morning, I look at myself and I think, God, I'm so ugly. There are days, though. That when people were like, oh, you, you're so pretty or whatever. I'm like, you should see me in the morning. Like, seriously, come to my house and see me in the morning. And my grandma really funnily the other day, well, two days ago, you see, said yeah, of my yeah, story. That, yeah. She was like, you only look nice because you're wearing makeup. Now, <laughs> let's say I, my grandma's joking. I love her so much. And she's, she's just joking around with me. But let's say I was really, really, really conscious about, I don't know, my dark circles or about my skin and had scarring. Do I think it's so horrifically awful that there's a treatment out there that could help? No. But what I do think is that it should be for you. And like you said, you should bring that emotional work alongside of it so that you can actually understand, is it for me 
or is it for everybody else? Now, one of the things that I wanted to speak to you about, because it's something that I've struggled with, and I know that a lot of people struggle with, is setting boundaries. And you spoke a lot about, in your childhood, not being able to set boundaries with people. How did you kind, how did you learn how to navigate through that? How did you learn how to be like, oh God, I need to change something here? Um, so, when it comes to boundaries, again, trial and error. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's all it is. Honestly, I'm like social, socially awkward at times. Like with a friend, I'll set a boundary and just like drop it in there. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's gone down like a lead balloon. Like, oops. Uh, like, oh, I've just had enough. I'm going to go home. You know? Yeah. Like, um, but, but actually, one final thing on treatments and makeup or whatever you want to say. I think you're on dangerous ground when anything like that becomes a dependency. True. If you are depending on that, then you I think that's a sign that you need to start doing some sort of emotional work. Um, and then they work together. They can work together. That's so true, actually. Because if you're, if you're saying, okay, even though it's helping my confidence, then you're saying only that in itself attributes to me being more confident. Really interesting. So the reason why, again, I say that is through experience. Every single day I had to go, on the, to go out around town drinking with my friends I had to go on the sunbed I had to do this strict diet I had to run in the sauna to dehydrate myself I had to buy a new outfit I had to get drunk before I went out they were coping strategies they were things that I depended on just to go out to function just to get by just to think oh people will like me like this I was depending on them and then now when I go out there might be the occasional new outfit mm. but everything else has has gone yeah. um, and my face and my appearance is still the same and that's through self-love um, another factor the boundary setting yeah as a child as and as a young adult I was a people pleaser I used to even as a kid I would go to the shop and buy a load of sweets and give all the sweets out to my friends. As I got a little bit older and we started drinking and we started going to parties, I became the person who they used to dare to do things. And I would do stupid, ridiculous things mm-hmm. to gain friendship, to gain likes, to be accepted. When I started being in relationships, I had no boundaries physically, sexually, emotionally, financially. I would do anything to try and maintain any kind of relationship. And that put me in so many dangerous situations, vulnerable situations where I was exposed and and I was putting myself... These were my choices that I was doing just to maintain something with other people. And I didn't care who that person was I had a person mm-hmm. and as I've got older um, I, it was something that I really needed to work on the more I became seen in the public because more people were gravitating towards me and they didn't always have the best intentions for me yeah um, so then I had to really look on working on my boundaries mm-hmm. and the starting point was actually having the confidence to say no. And and that was, that was my starting point. Yeah. I always had to feel, feel like I say yes, 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 yes. 
And there was two reasons. If I don't say yes, I'm never going to have that opportunity again. Yeah. So I need to say yes. But then I just found saying no just like the scariest thing. So I was yeah. just like, yes, 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 yes. So the first, my boundary setting, the first thing that I did, I said no to something that I just couldn't physically, and I didn't do it by choice. I just yeah. couldn't fit it in my diary. So I said no. And I felt so much better. I was like, oh. It's so liberating, oh, isn't it? That, that, was, that was huge. Um, I love saying no to things. I'm like, <laughs> oh, no, sorry, can't do that. Um, still, so it's still something I'm, wor- uh, still something I'm working on, I've got to admit. Yeah. Still something that I'm working on. But I'm good at I'm it. I'm better at it now in relationships. Mm-hmm. That's a really, really big point. Um, in the past, friendships. Oh, you're coming out on this night out with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd be like, I'm not going. Well, I've just said yes. And then for the lead up to that event, I'd be so like, what excuse? What lie am I? How creative can I do to get out of it? Sometimes it just wouldn't turn up. Mm. And whereas now I'm just like, just say no off the bat. Yeah. Nothing bad happens. No one cares, really. Yeah, yeah, just say no. And I was like, oh, that's that's amazing. Yeah. Um, I went out um, with some friends at the weekend I set my boundaries. I'm not going to drink. Yeah. And I'm going to go home at that cer- at a certain time. Whereas if I hadn't had done that, people, oh, are you drinking? And I'm like, no, no. Oh, go on, go on, go on. Oh, one more. Oh, stay out later. Mm. I set my intentions and my boundaries off the bat. Oh, I'm not drinking. Coming out for a few hours. Want to be at that time. And yeah. like, oh, sound, mate. Yeah. And then when it came to it, okay, cool. Um, so boundary settings been huge it's, it's in my book actually there's a lot this we set boundaries in so many different areas yeah um and it just becomes the norm then and it's huge communication feels like the simplest thing in the whole world but it's actually <laughs> the most difficult thing ever isn't it? it when people break down boundaries they're just like say how you feel just communicate it's just not that simple though sometimes but you're right i'm i'm one of those people that before I used to come up with a million excuses, I've used my dog in so many examples. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm going to be the worst parent because I'm going to be like, so sorry, my child, so sorry, my kid, this. But I've learned now to communicate well so that people don't take offense because I think that, for example, last year I would feel so guilty for not going to certain things that sometimes I would lie and then people would feel offended. Yeah. And now I'm like, look, I'm really sorry. I'm genuinely really busy. I feel really overworked at the moment. I don't. I do. I value our friendship so much, but at this present moment, I can't come on this night out. Yeah. And people are like, oh, totally understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We respect that. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. Rather than be, rather than just saying sorry, I can't come because my dog's sick. Yeah. Um, it feels like you're making an excuse, yeah, and, yeah. I, and I and I feel like it comes across. So it's interesting that piece around communication. So simple yet so complicated. Before we close, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are watching and listening to this, thinking, Jono, how the hell did you get from? that place you were talking about on your darkest days to being now someone who is so incredibly inspiring, so incredibly confident, is like such a wonderful person in so many ways. I mean, just being with you today, I feel so incredibly uplifted and I feel like I wish I had your positivity. Genuinely, I I look at you and I think, I I wish I could be this person who was so, I don't know, there's just something about you that's just like got this amazing light. I I think that's how I describe it. How did you build that confidence? In five seconds. Give me the rundown. Give me your top tips. And I know there's no quick answer. I know this is years and years of self-work. I know you've done so much inner work with yourself to get to this place. 
But what's your probably, one of your quick and easy tips on how to build confidence? So there's so many complex answers. I, I mean, know. I, I wrote a book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote a book. There's so much in the book. But there's some basics as well. Yeah. Keep yourself hydrated. Have the biggest piece of cake, but also have something healthier every now and again. Yeah. Sometimes stay away, stay, stay away from alcohol. Yeah. Relax your shoulders. Take a deep breath. Look up. Yeah. Get a good night's sleep. We're not talking rocket science here. We're not talking about going to ther- therapy may work, playing sport may, may work, uh, get lost in music, um, mm. speaking up to a friend, all things, but sometimes very hard to do. You can go and have a glass of water. You can go outside and get some sun on your face. Mm. You can make a conscious effort of relaxing your shoulders. I'm like, I've been like this the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) And again, for me, walking down the street and just putting a smile on your face and looking up, seeing the world around you, hear the birds. And honestly, it sounds so basic, but these basic things get you started. Then all of a sudden you're in this big outside world and our world is amazing. It's full of people. They're absolutely totally winging it, winging it themselves <laughs> as well uh, but just just living just living it's it's huge and then speak to yourself with kindness yeah i used to punish myself all the time oh why have you eaten that yes oh you idiot why have you said you do this and now i'm like i'm speaking myself with love and affection oh. it's okay Jono. go and have that big cake you know yeah I love that. I actually call myself an idiot probably a hundred times a day. I say, I literally like you, idiot. I say it so casually and I've, yeah. I realise that it's actually really detrimental. Yeah, yeah. And one of my friends the other day, she said, whenever she's going through something, she just says, give yourself grace. You're not perfect. You're not born to be, you know, this immaculate human being who gets every decision right. Just give yourself grace. You made a mistake. It's okay. Yeah. Move on. And you're so right. Things like sleep, things like food, things like water... We think they're just like basics, but you know, the other day actually, I had a really unhealthy lunch. I had crisps and a cereal bar for lunch. And in the evening, I was feeling so crap. And I was like, I've had five hours sleep, I've had about four coffees, and I've had crisps and a cereal bar for lunch. And for dinner, I made myself a really nice dinner and I automatically felt better. And I was like, maybe it's really interesting, the correlation between food, anxiety, mood. It's huge. We're just not taught about it. But you've you've taught me so much in this podcast, Jono, and just meeting you, you're just the most amazing human being ever. And I'm so, so, so grateful that you're the first guest in my new studio and you took time to come all the way from Yorkshire to be here today. So thank you so, so, so much. Absolutely my pleasure. Um, Thank you for my invite. Um, Thank you for your openness and that connection. Life is about human connection. It is. And we don't have enough of it in our life, especially with social media and technology and all that stuff. So if you have an opportunity to connect with another human being, however it may come across, explore it. Be open to it. Have that coffee with them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, thank you for connecting with me today. Thank you.